dog, like he did every day, came to the door to be let out. And he barked and he barked and he barked and he barked, not knowing that there was nobody there to let him out. No one there to help him. Do you sometimes feel that way when you pray to God? That you ask and you ask and you ask and you ask and you feel like that little black barking dog. There's nobody there to help you when you're asking. Prayer. It's going to be the topic for three sermons this year. This is one of the one of the four. Prayer. One of you asked a question to me. Are my prayers working? That was the sermon suggestion from one of you. Are my prayers working? And from this question, I assumed three more questions. Is there anyone listening? Am I getting what I'm praying for? How can I know? Does my prayer work? Prayer is a huge topic. There's no way that I could get into all the facets of prayer. The Bible speaks about prayer all through it. So again, there's going to be three more lessons this year. But understand though, the fact that prayer works is true, but it is dependent upon God's will and your obedience. The Barna Group did a study in 1998 and 99% of Christians asked said that faith was very important in their lives. But listen to this next statistic. 73% of that 99%, said that prayer really made a difference in their life and the lives of others. Only 73% of the 99 who believe that faith is very important. And if, you know, if I asked you here at Fountainhead, do you believe that faith is important in your life? I would dare say that every one of you would say, yes, faith is important in my life, because without faith it's impossible to please God. And, and many of you would quote the Scripture back, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith it's impossible to please God. But how many of you respond? that you have no idea if your prayers really help you or those around you. Many get confused on prayer. And I don't want us to be confused on, on something so vital in our lives. I want us to understand that the purposes of prayer, I don't want us to be confused on the purpose of prayer. In understanding the purpose of prayer, we can understand the reason why so many prayers are not answered. But I want you to understand before we leave that God does answer prayer. And how can you, how you can be sure that your prayers are being answered? I want you to understand that before we leave today. The purposes of prayer are all found in the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. We call it the Lord's Prayer. 
That's what many call it. But in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 15, its parallel passage found in Luke chapter 11 finds the disciples asking Jesus how to pray. And as we look at the purposes for prayer found here, we must understand that this is a blueprint for, for prayer. Jesus was sinless. He had no need of forgiveness. But the disciples did, and, and we do. So Jesus starts His prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. And here we understand that we are to pray to the Father, not to Mary, not to a saint, not to any of the other departed who have gone before us. They cannot help you. Only God the Father can help you. The purpose here is to glorify and praise God. But you see, for many, God has become an afterthought. Many of you are wonderful people and you're so self-sufficient and you, and you do good at your work and you do good at your jobs and you do good, do good in your family and you have a problem in your life and you'll try to work it out before you ever go to God. The purpose here is to glorify and to praise God. He is our Father. Paul prayed to God in Romans chapter 10 verse 1. And Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3 verse 17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We do all in the name of Jesus and through Him we pray. But the giving of thanks and praise is to God the Father. Only a legitimate child can call the Father, Father. And only those who believe and are baptized can call God Father. How do I know? Well, the Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. God must be your Father for you to be able to call Him that. Men, how annoyed would you be if every child in here decided to call you daddy? Every child in here expected you to care for them, expected you to provide for them, came up to you every time they saw you and said, can I borrow $5? $5 you to death. How annoyed would you be? They're not even your child. As Christians, we are legitimate children. We are legitimate children. As Christians, God is our Father. In John chapter 3, we are born again of water and the Spirit, verse 3, and so we are accepted by God as His children and we praise His name. Turn over to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. 
says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Ephesians 1, beginning with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the goodness, the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. We have been adopted by God. We are legitimate children of the Father if we are in Christ Jesus. And we have a right to ask Him. We have a right to. We are part of the family, a legitimate part of the family, and we can honestly call God our Father. The model prayer says next, Your kingdom come. Jesus prayed for, in a future tense, the kingdom, the church. That's what Jesus is praying for in, in this context here. He's praying for the church. It had not yet come, but it did. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, came with the power of the promised Comforter, the Holy Spirit, John chapter 16, verse 7. And those of us in the church, we're, we're already in the kingdom, as Brother John explains in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9. When Jesus prayed, He meant the church. When I pray today, using this same model, I pray for the church that I'm a part of, I pray for the church. I pray because Jesus shows us that it's part of the purpose of prayer that we pray that the kingdom grow. But I also pray for the coming kingdom. We've discussed before the word Maranatha and how it means, Lord, come quickly. And I believe it is the daily duty of every Christian. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 16, to look forward to and hasten the day of the Lord. I want Jesus Christ to come back. I, I, I pray for His eternal kingdom to come now, right now. I want Jesus Christ to come back. Don't you? Don't, don't you want to go to heaven? Don't you want to live right now in heaven? Wouldn't you like to do that? Is that a desire of yours? It is of mine. When I pray, I pray for it. And I hasten its coming when I look forward to it. And you know and I know that you would not be going home with the Lord if He were to come back right now, some of you. Some of you in this audience, you know right now that you really don't want Jesus Christ to come back to you. You really don't. If He came back right now, you would be found wanting, wouldn't you? But I look forward to the day of God. But I must pray that the Lord's will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. 
It too is a purpose, a reason why I pray that I support the Lord and His will. It's His will that's to be done. God's will is going to be done, but what a hypocrite we are when we pray for His will, but we don't believe His will. We don't believe. We won't be baptized as we've been commanded. We won't do it. We won't gather with the saints as we've been commanded. We don't believe. We, we pray for it. Oh, we pray for His will to be done, but we don't act in accordance with His will because His will says that we need to be baptized. His will says that we need to repent when we've sinned. His will says that we need to meet with the saints. We don't respect the eldership, but we want His will to be done in our lives. We don't even respect our elders, but we want His will to be done in our lives. We pray for God's will to be done, but we won't give to the local work, nor help in any way. We pray for God's will to be done and for His gospel and to go, for His gospel to go into all the world, but we won't even help in our little corner of Portland. We pray. Give us this day our daily bread. We've got that part. We understand, give me, give me, give me, give me, don't we? We understand that. We got that down. And it's good to ask God for our needs. But we must understand the further explanation. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You've got to put God first. You've got to put His kingdom first. You've got to put the church first. You've got to put your fellow Christians first. You've got to humble yourself in, in, in the, under the mighty hand of God, and He'll take care of you. kingdom before self the kingdom before self we are to pray for forgiveness of our debts now, now one translation says our trespasses the point is we have a debt that we owe one that must be paid back but how do we do that how can we, how can we pay that debt that we owe so much that G, what, what Jesus Christ did for us how can we pay that debt back sing with me he paid a debt I did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. It's already been paid. It's already been paid. But you've got to obey to have that blessing. As Christians, we've we get to ask for God's forgiveness. We get to go to the, the most powerful being in the universe and ask Him, will you please forgive me? I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And you confess your sins before the Father. 
And we sing the song, Now hear me while I pray. Take all my guilt away. We get to confess to God, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, our sins, and He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In our model, in our model, we must be willing to forgive too. You know, with sin so rampant in our society, it's easy to be led into temptation. As we'll study in Revelation chapter 20, on Wednesday night coming up, Satan was bound. And at the destruction of Rome, he was bound. And Brother Robert Harkrider says, The devil does not have the same sway over things as he once had, but he is still very dangerous. Peter describes the devil as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And Brother Harkrider is right on with his analogy. He says, he says, the lion is in the cage, and if you get in there with him, you may be mauled and killed. If you go looking for sin, you'll find it. But we pray, lead us not into temptation. Avoiding temptation takes prayer, and it takes wisdom. Turn over to the book of James, if you will. The book of James. Avoiding temptation takes prayer, it takes wisdom. And James says, in James chapter 1 and verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But we must trust to be delivered. We must believe, 2 Timothy 4 verse 18. Stay in James. 2 Timothy 4 verse 18 says, The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for His heavenly kingdom. And lack of faith, lack of faith is one of the reasons your prayer is not being answered and it never will be. James doesn't pull any punches. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. Back in... In James chapter 1, he says, when you ask God for wisdom, verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Many don't have the faith it takes to produce patience, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. You want an answer. I mean, think about it. It's you praying to God. You're praying to God. I mean, it's you. You're important, aren't you? You want your answer, you want it now. You want that answer now. Give it to me now. I want it now. You might as well wave goodbye to whatever you've asked for. James writes, James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any among you cheerful? Let him sing songs, psalms. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and in the, and in the prayer of faith, and, excuse me, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sin, it will be forgiven. And then James writes something very interesting in the next verse. And you and I need to compare ourselves to this very next verse. He says, Confess your trespasses to one another 
and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You may pray effectively and you may pray fervently, but are you righteous? Are you right with God? You want your prayers to be heard. You want your prayers to be answered. It's the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous that avails much. Is sin keeping you from your prayers being heard? Is sin keeping your prayers from being answered? Isaiah says in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. God can save you, most certainly. Nor His ear heavy that it cannot hear. Oh yes, God will hear your prayers. But your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden His face from you so that He will not hear. Can God hear you? Yes. Can God save you? Oh yes. But he won't, sinner. You're defiled. You're a liar. What can you do? Well, if you're a Christian, you can pray. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, as I've already mentioned. You can confess your sins to God, and he'll forgive you. If you're not a Christian, it's simple. Obey. Acts chapter 22, verse 16, And now, while you're waiting, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. If you're not seeking to obey God, why should He answer you? Why? Many want answers from God, but they don't pray because they don't have faith. And they've got this sin all over them. And James says in James chapter 4, verse 2, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You, do, you, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. But you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Notice he didn't pull any punches. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He calls them adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You expect God to hear your prayer, but you've given your mind and your body and your soul to a world that could care less about you, and when it's done with you, it will throw you away. And you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten your first love. God will take care of you. He loves you. He wants only the best for you. Turn your back on the only true love you'll ever know. The love of God. Why should God listen to a prayer from someone who will not obey Him? Who's not His child. Who cries only when they need something. 
who's covered in sin, who lacks faith, who acts with wrong, who asks with wrong motives, why should someone like that expect to receive anything? Is that someone like you? You know, so many expect to be helped. Yet when the opportunity arises, they won't help. We see folks hungry, naked, thirsty, and in prison, and do nothing. But we expect God to answer our prayer. Your prayer will not be answered. And Jesus says... In Matthew 25, 46, these will go away into everlasting punishment. The reality of disobedience is harsh, but the reality of obedience is sweet. God does answer prayer. He does. The seeker's prayer is answered. Turn in your Bibles to Acts. Acts chapter 10. After the day of Pentecost and the establishment of the church in Acts chapter 2, we find this in Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Cornelius wasn't a Christian. And Cornelius was roundabout, told about Peter. And we read how Peter had a vision. And he, he was told in a roundabout way about Cornelius. And Peter preached to the household of Cornelius. Peter was shown... When the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his household, that, that they should not be refused entrance into the kingdom. Look at verse 47 of chapter 10. Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Notice, the seeker sought Cornelius, the seeker, sought. His prayer was answered. He was told what to do. And he obeyed. The prayer of Jesus was answered. In John chapter 17. John chapter 17 when he said, In them, I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them just as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer was answered. Those of us in Christ are one. His prayer was answered and the world does know that He was sent. Our prayers are answered in ways that we, we may not even understand. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8, the prophet tells us God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are, are higher than our thoughts. But we must understand 
that God does not want anyone to perish. Second Peter 3, 9. We must understand that God protects all those who obey Him. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. So, what can we do to make sure that our prayers are heard? We follow our model. We follow our model prayer. We ask in faith. We get rid of sin. We get sin out of our lives. Whatever we need to do. If, if, if we need to pray to God and, and ask for forgiveness, if, 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 if we feel like we need to have others pray with us and for us, we do what it takes. If, if we need to be baptized into Jesus Christ and, and we don't feel comfortable with our old baptism, if we were ever baptized before and we don't think that, that we did right, we need to make sure and be baptized. If you've never been baptized before, you've been seeking, you've been coming. Obey. Obey. Get rid of sin. Have your sins washed away. Obey God today. He will listen to you. He will do it. There is someone who cares. There is someone listening. You're not just a little black dog barking. You're a child of God if you're in Jesus Christ. And you're a potential child of God if you'll put Him on in baptism. And if you need the prayers of the righteous or if you need baptism, the congregation here at Fountainhead wants you to know that we care too. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to offer baptism to you right now. Put Christ on in baptism. Have your sins washed away. If you need that, come right now as together we stand and sing.